title of the message today is Saying No to Temptation. Saying No to Temptation. I like to start with a funny story. I found a really good uh, story along these lines. And an overweight man decided that it was time to shed some pounds. He informed his coworkers that he was going on a diet and would no longer be bringing donuts to the office. He knew it'd be hard to resist stopping at the bakery on the way to work, but he committed himself to remaining strong and resisting the, te- the temptation. His coworkers were surprised one morning, though, when, when he arrived at the office with a big box of donuts. When they reminded him of his diet, he just smiled and said, these are very special donuts, he explained. When I left the office this morning, I knew I was going to drive by the bakery, and I wondered if maybe the Lord might want me to have some donuts today. I was sure, I I wasn't so sure, so I, I prayed, Lord, if you want me to stop and buy some donuts, then let there be an open parking space directly in front of the bakery. As you know, parking spaces in front of that bakery are hard to get. So the parking, so the, the co-workers say, was, so was the parking space open? Was it open? And, and he said, well, it was a miracle. The man replied, it was an absolute miracle. The eighth time around the block, sure it was. It opened up, and it was, I knew it was from the Lord. <laughs> Temptation comes, doesn't it? The world that we live in, uh, temptation comes. It could have even happened on the way here. Maybe you were tempted in one area or another. Temptation comes by suggestion. It comes by words. It comes by images in the mind. And Satan has learned over the years what works and what doesn't work with human beings when it comes to Temptation. The Bible says, do not be ignorant of Satan's devices. Temptations can seem overwhelming, like a looming giant that you must give into. At the moment of temptation, we all have a choice, don't we? We, we live in a world of choices. We have the flesh, we have the Holy Spirit, we have the things of the Spirit, and we have the things of the flesh, flesh and every day, We can accept those thoughts and suggestions, or we can reject them and say no to them. I love that the Bible gives us example after example of people who stood up and said no in the face of temptation. Stories like Queen Vashti, who refused to parade herself before the king, who had been drinking too much, and he wanted her, as his wife, to parade herself before leaders in order for them to look at her and to lust after her. And she risked her life by saying no to the king. And if you think about it, had she not said no and been removed from her place as being queen, then Esther would have never been risen up as the next queen who stood up and saw God intervene in in the Hitler of their day, 
Haman, who wanted to wipe out the Jewish race. It started with Queen Vashti. She stood up to him and said no to the king, which caused her to be removed. And then Esther rose up. She stood up, and the rest is history. We have the Jewish race today because of their stand. Joseph said no to Potiphar's wife when she wanted him to sleep with her. Daniel said no to the delicacies of the king's table. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said no to bowing down to the idol. And Jesus stood with them in the fire as they stood up and said no to the temptation of their day. Jesus said no to the temptations of the devil. We know that from reading scripture. And when you think of it, if you look at the example of Adam, who uh, basically gave in with Eve, gave in to the temptation, and Jesus, who said no, there are three basic temptations that we as human beings face. You can divide whatever you're being tempted with at any given moment. You can divide them into these three categories, and John tells us what they are in 1 John 2.16. Let's take a look at that. 1 John 2.16. For all that is in the world, here they are, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And Genesis 3.6 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant for the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Now, if you pull those apart, you'll find those three that we read in 1 John 2.16, you'll find those three elements there in Genesis. Let's look at that. The tree was good for food. That is the lust of the flesh. It was pleasant to the eyes. That is the lust of the eyes. It is desirable to make one wise. What is that? That is the pride of life. Do you know when Jesus was tempted? He was tempted in these three main areas. If you pull apart what he was being tempted by the devil with, let's look at that. The lust of the flesh. The devil said, command this stone to be made bread. I'm hungry. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes, the devil showed him visibly all the kingdoms of the world. The lust of the eyes and the pride of life. If you are the son of God, then throw yourself down from here. That's the pride of life. And the glorious thing is that the Lord Jesus Christ, on every one of those accounts where Adam failed and Eve failed, And every one of those points, Jesus said no to the devil. He said no to the temptation. He said no to the suggestion. Thank God, right? Because we're saved because he said no, right? And and some will say, well, that, you know, he was the son of God. Yes, he was. And I believe with all my heart that God sent Jesus fully aware that Jesus was capable of bringing on the victory for us. Can somebody say amen? At the same time, though, it does say that Jesus was tempted. That means that's a for real thing. 
It's a for real thing. But he went in with the victory. He's the son of God. And he won the victory for us. And then with that sinless body, he went up to the cross and became the ultimate sacrifice for us. That if we believe on that sacrifice and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, 15, we do not have a high priest that cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. That means that Jesus was tempted in every possible way that you and I could ever be tempted in as human beings. Yes, Jesus was tempted to steal from somebody. Think about it. Jesus was tempted to lust after a woman. Jesus was tempted to covet what somebody else had. Jesus was tempted to lie. He was tempted to cheat. And yet, every single time, he said no. He said no. Now, here's something important about Jesus being tempted that I think we can can really grab a hold of something good here. And that is, when Jesus was tempted, he never sinned. So here's the thing. Temptation is not sin. Temptation is not sin. Let's say that together. Temptation is not sin. And one of the tactics of the enemy is that when the suggestion comes in and you're tempted by that, he'll say, well, you've been thinking about this, so you've already been tempted and you've already, you know, this is already kind of crossing the line. And so since you've already come this far, you might as well go ahead and keep on going. And that's the trick. That's the lie. Because if you can, when that suggestion first comes in, we'll talk about this in a minute, but when that suggestion first comes in, if you can stop it right there and kick it out, then you've won the victory before it ever goes in and goes down into your heart, into your actions. It all happens up here in the mind, doesn't it? The suggestion comes in, and that's where we need to have the control of the Holy Spirit and start rejecting those thoughts and start practicing and exercising rejecting those thoughts. And the Holy Spirit will help us, thank God. But we can do this. We can do this. And so the lie is, you've already thought it. You might as well give in to it. And we say a big fat no. God, give us boldness to stand up and say no to the temptations that we face in this dark hour. Amen? Amen. When you're tempted, you've got to look at those temptations as what they are. Look at the temptation as what it is. It is a thief and a robber trying to rob you of the destiny that God has for you. If you look at it from God's perspective, everything changes, doesn't it? Because everything trying to suggest things and everything about your flesh is saying, I got to do this, I got to do this, I've got the needs, I got the desires, whatever it is. And there's your destiny. There's your destiny. The other lie of the enemy is that you are the only one who's being tempted in this area in the whole world. You know, that's a lie. Uh, you know what, you might as well give in because 
Now, this is pretty strong. This temptation is pretty strong, and no one else is being tempted like this, like you are. That's a fat lie. That's a fat lie. And you just, and you just quote this scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except as is common to man. These temptations are common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. So when you're tempted, you know, the devil wants to be stealth. He wants to pretend like he's not even there. And that's one of his tactics, too, to be unseen. He does not want to be exposed. But when you're tempted, always know that there's someone behind the temptation making the suggestions. And that's where you need to expose it. Bring the light of Jesus into it and say, you know what? I see you. I see you, devil, and I am not going to give in to you. Uh, I love what C.S. Lewis says on this subject in his book, The Screwtape Letters, which is about demonic activity. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors to which our race can fall uh, above, can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and feel an excessive and an unhealthy interest in them, the demons. The demons themselves are equally pleased by both errors. Either that he doesn't, we don't even exist. We don't even exist. Or that Christians get too focused on the demonic without focusing on Christ. Always keep your deliverance Christ-centered, Christ-focused, and let Jesus uh, win the battles for you as you agree with him. Amen? Amen. Here's another lie of the enemy. Satan wants you to believe that he is equal in power on the dark side with, with God, equal in power with God. You got, if, if you, I think the enemy wants to kind of paint a picture that, you know, if, you, if Jesus and the devil were kind of in a, a boxing match, you know, and they're, they're equally set in power. Who's going who's gonna to win this fight? Who's going to win this battle? That's the way the devil wants you to picture the battle, but it's not anywhere near that. The truth of the matter is, is that Jesus is God and that he's seated high above all this and that he has defeated the, the work and the power of the enemy on the cross and Satan is crushed under our feet and it's God at the highest and the devil at the lowest. And Satan has no power except those suggestions that he tries to tempt us with. He wants to make it look like he's, he's more than that, but God is way more. God is from the highest power on high to uh, see you get the victory. Amen? Amen. Another lie of the enemy is that, oh, this is a big one, that there is no consequence to your disobedience. There's no consequence to your disobedience. There's a story I love with this, a story of some baboons in Africa. Eastern Africa, a troop of about 50 baboons made themselves at home right next to a farm. The baboons were amusing at first, but 
they were amusing to look at at first, but soon wore out their welcome. Before long, they were ravaging the corn and the crops and helping themselves to anything they could get their hands on. The frustrated farmers in the area made plans to have the animals destroyed. To do this, they set up cages with food in them. Their plan was to capture the baboons and then kill them once they were trapped. Baboons, however, aren't stupid animals. Sensing that the cages were dangerous, they refused to go into those cages. But the farmers were patient. And several days, after several, several days, one of the hungry baboons ventured into the cage and sampled the food. It was good. It was very good. And nothing bad happened. The next day, the same baboon returned for more food. Hey, everything's fine. This food's good. Other baboons soon followed. And a few days, after a few days, the entire troop of 50 baboons were going into the cage to feast on the food that had been put there by the farmers. Rather than being afraid of the cages, the baboons started to like them. For several weeks, the baboons went into the cages every day to get their food. One day, however, the food was tied to the door latch. When the animals grabbed the food, the doors of the cages slammed shut. The baboons were spooked at first, but then quickly went back to finishing their meal. They showed no real concern for the fact that they had been trapped in the cage and were about to die. And that's the problem with the consequence of sin, isn't it? That we, we think that everything's going to be just fine. I imagine when Adam and Eve first ate of the fruit. Hey, hey, look. God said we were going to die. and We're okay. We're okay, you know. And they didn't die till hundreds of years later, but they died. And then not only that, but they were cut off from fellowship and they... Their eyes were opened. You know the story. James 1, 12 through 15 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted from God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So you can know When you're being tempted, it is not coming from God. It is coming from the devil. It is coming from demons. It is coming from evil spirits. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So there's the physical aspect of your flesh, having desire for food or sex or whatever it is. There's the physical aspect of that. And then the, the enemy comes in and tries to distort God's perfect destiny. There's nothing wrong with food. There's nothing wrong with sex. But it has to be done God's way. If it's not done God's way, it becomes a mess. Because God knows how our lives work. He made us. He knows how we are blessed. And if we divert from that, then it it really becomes a mess and says even here, death. 
Here's another uh, quick story. During the wanings of World War II, thousands of Russian troops poured into the city of Berlin. Many of them were simple country bumpkins who had never been in a city before. Some soldiers unscrewed light bulbs and carefully packed them away to take them home, believing they contained light within each light bulb and could be uh, made to work anywhere. One group of Russian soldiers burst into a Berlin chemical lab, ransacking the offices and laboratories. They came upon a dozen eggs sealed in an airtight container emblazoned with bright red German words. Like kids at a picnic, the soldiers put down their weapons and pulled, out their, um, pulled off their heavy overcoats and began playing an old-fashioned egg toss. Just then, a lab scientist stumbled upon the scene, horrified. He started shouting to the soldiers, but since the Russians could not understand German, they ignored him and continued their game. Finally, the scientist found a Russian colonel who could translate. The colonel ordered the soldiers to carefully replace the eggs in their containers and get out of the building, which was all locked up tight. When, uh, what the soldiers didn't realize is that the eggs that they were playing with contained the deadly typhus virus. If even one of them had broken, the soldiers would have certainly died and infected the entire population. Sin is deadly, isn't it? And it is not to be played around with. We need to remember that, right? We need to remember that every day. We should not be playing around with those things uh, because it brings forth, as James said, death. All right. So we've talked about the strategies and the tactics of the enemies when it comes to, when the enemy, when it comes to temptation. Does anybody want some help from Scripture about how to combat the temptation? Amen? Okay, good. So I've got about 12 of them here, I think. 12 of them here. The, here's some, some tools and some weapons in your arsenal that the Bible has given us that will help in saying no to temptation. Number one, no that Jesus was tempted in every area and is able to help you. Hebrews 2.18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Isn't that nice to know? Jesus has been tempted in the way that you're being tempted, and he says, I want to help you through that. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Amen. Number two. Know that God will provide a way of escape in the midst of temptation. So when you see the way of escape, take that route out. Take the route out because God will always provide the way out. Think of Joseph. Um, he, he knew, I got to run. I got to get out of here because uh, she is tempting me. I've got to get away. Uh, Pastor Wayne Cordero has the best story with this. Pastor of a mega church in Hawaii, Foursquare Church. Uh, he said, I was at a conference one time. I was a speaker at a conference. And he said, I'm sitting uh, during one of the breaks. I'm sitting in, I th actually it might have been later, maybe, maybe, maybe later at night. He was sitting having dinner at a restaurant by himself. And he said, a lady from the hotel came up to him, didn't know him from anybody, and said, why don't you come up to the room with me and we'll have a good time. This is a pastor of a mega church. You know this stuff happens, too, and the enemy targets leaders. And come up to the room, and we'll have a good time. And she was dressed like a prostitute. And he said, 
As soon as she said that, he said, I saw a vision. I saw Joseph running without his tunic behind her, getting away from Potiphar's wife. I saw it. I saw it. And I said, no, thank you, ma'am. No, thank you. And I think he even removed himself from the scene. When you're in the word and you can see that way of escape, God will give it to you and take it, take it, because God will show you the way. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Number three, don't believe the lie that what you are being tempted with is uncommon. We said that before, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has taken you except as common to man. And Hebrews 4, 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Number four, temptation is not sin. One of Satan's tactics is, is the suggestion, we talked about that earlier, is the sin, you might as well give in to it. Number five, pray to be kept away from temptation. Call on the Holy Spirit to help you. That's actually in the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation. You can pray that. Lord, keep that stuff away from me. Amen? You can pray that. In fact, let's pray it right now. God, keep us away from temptation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Remember Jesus said to his disciples, pray that you enter not into temptation. So you can pray that. Jesus, I don't want to be I don't want to enter into temptation, so keep it away from me in Jesus name. Amen. Number 6, when you're being tempted, recognize the source and the intentions of the source. Listen, Satan wants to take you out, believer. He wants to take you out. So when you're being tempted, just cast out that suggestion in the name of Jesus because it is deadly and you do not want to be taken down with that. Recognize the source. Okay, quick story here. This is, this is a cool story. There, was, um, there once lived a Native American boy who felt he uh, was ready to become a man. The chief of the tribe said, to become a man, you must first survive in the high mountains for one week. If you survive, then you will be considered a man. So the little boy set out for the mountains on his quest to become a man. Climbing to the highest mountain, he noticed a rattlesnake lying in a patch of snow. The young boy was startled when the snake spoke to him. Please help me, said the shivering snake. I'm cold and lost, far from home. Please pick me up and carry me back to the valley where it's warm. If I stay here, I will surely die. The boy drew close but was careful not to get too close because he knew that this kind of snake was very deadly. I know you're kind, said the boy. You will only bite me when I pick you up. The snake said, oh, but I won't bite you. I'll be your friend. If you carry me down the mountain, be your friend. You can trust me. You can trust me. I added that in. The boy thought it over and decided that any snake that could talk must be a special kind of snake, right? 
So he picked up the snake and carried him all the way down to the warm valley. He gently placed the snake on the ground, and immediately the snake curled up and struck the boy on the neck. The boy cried out with a scream, You bit me! You promised that you wouldn't bite me. Now I'm going to die. And with an evil hiss, the snake slithered off into the grass and said, I can't help that. You knew exactly what I was when you picked me up. You knew exactly what I was when you picked me up. A snake is always a snake. Always. So recognize the source and the intentions of the source. Number seven, use the word of God. When Jesus was tempted, he used the word. It is written. Let's say that together. It is written. Use the word. Know the word. Use the word. Speak it out of your mouth and get the victory. Amen? Number eight, avoid paths, donut paths, that you have fallen for in the past. It may not be donuts, maybe something else. Learn from your mistakes. If you have a problem with cookies, don't put cookie jars in every room of the house. In fact, get rid of all the cookie jars And if you have a problem with cookies. Amen? Amen. If you have a problem with spending too much money, reduce the time you shop. I know, it's hard, ladies. I get it, I get it. Uh, or reduce the time that you see advertising. They're, that's what they're out for, to get your money. If you're tempted with an affair with a coworker, get another job. Do what it takes. Your family is worth it. Your family is worth it. Amen. Amen. Avoid paths where you are, where you have fallen in the past. Okay, we learn from our mistakes. Amen. Number nine: Keep yourself occupied with good things. Place yourself in areas of service. We talked about that earlier in the announcements. Get involved. You know, that helps you stay accountable when you're a part of the body of Christ and you're a part of the team. When you're a part of the team, you think to yourself, man, I've got to be on my toes. I've got to set set an example, and I'm going to get free and be free, and I'm going to stay that way. I'm going to stay that way. Amen. Number 10. Find someone to be accountable to. Find someone to be accountable to. Now, I thought about this for a minute, but, you know, preferably I think it would be someone who's free in the area that you're free in. Uh, But sometimes people are going through the same thing and they help each other out. What you don't want to get into with that, though, is just this cycle that never ends and you guys just keep encouraging each other in your sin, right? And there's no victory in that, right? So preferably it would be get with someone who's been there years ago and has gotten the victory, and they can help pull you out of it too. Amen? Amen. Number 11, train yourself to automatically reject bad thoughts. Out, out, out. When the bad thought comes in, you say, out. In Jesus' name, oh, here it comes again. Out. Coming back, out. I'll have nothing to do with that. And mean it and shout it until you, if you have to drive down the street with your windows up and shouting, out, out, get out, get away from me and don't ever come back. 
get those thoughts out, com- command those thoughts by the power of the Holy Spirit. As soon as they try to come in, know that it's a thief, it's a robber trying to rob you of your destiny, and you take authority over that thought in the name of Jesus, and you say, out. By the way, you will do that, so if you do that so many times, out, 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 when it tries to come, out, you practice that, it's going to happen like second nature to you. I didn't even realize I just did that. Out. I didn't even, out. Yeah. We thought we were going to name one of our dogs out because we just had to keep telling her, out, 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 out. We're going to start naming you out. All right. Okay, and then the last one, number 12, when, when tempted, oh, this is so important. This is so important. This may be the one that gets you the victory every time. When you are tempted, tell Jesus, Jesus, I love you more than what I'm being tempted with. I love you more than what I'm being tempted with. Jesus, I love you. I don't want this. I don't want this. I love you, Lord. I love you. I give you my life. I surrender. I surrender my will. I surrender my flesh. It's all yours, Lord. I love you more. Amen? Amen. Does that help today? Give you some equipment? Give you some tools? Some weapons to um, combat temptation? We all deal with this. We all deal with this every day. If you say, no, it, I, I don't. I don't. You're lying. If you, if you say that we all, we all, it's the world that we live in, especially in the day we live in. Tempted every day about all kinds of stuff. And we've got, to, that's probably, I shouldn't say probably, it is the reason why the church of Jesus Christ is so weak. Amen? Would you all stand with me? Praise God. Would you just hold up your hands and in an act of surrender? Father God, we just come to you today in Jesus' name. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for a word of encouragement when it comes to temptation that we would take these words, your word, and face off the enemy for what he is and know that he's crushed under our feet. Revelation 12, 11, that we, they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and that the enemy is crushed under our feet. Romans sixteen twenty. God, we thank you that we have the victory through Jesus Christ. God, I thank you. Would you just say this? God, I thank you that I'm an overcomer, that I can resist temptation. The devil will flee. I have your word. I declare your word. I have the Holy Spirit, and the enemy is crushed under my feet. I am victorious over my flesh and my desires. I bring them to the cross, and I thank you for victory through the blood of Jesus. You are here to help me, Lord. You were tempted in all points and yet without sin, and you said I'm here to help you through what you face. I receive it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we applaud the Lord in this place?